1969, and a young man, Johnny Morris, is sitting by a campfire with his father. We were out on a gravel bar, we were fishing, and my dad wanted me to know more about himself. This was rare, as Johnny's father was the definition of the strong and silent type. My dad was pretty strict. He was raised by, well, his parents split up when he was three, and he was raised by a great aunt. But that night, sitting around the campfire. He just wanted me to know where he'd come from and some things that he'd been through or experiences in his life that he'd never talked about before. Johnny's father talked about his difficult childhood and then something else. Johnny leaned in. And then he goes on and he he told me too about, uh, he looked at me right across from that campfire and he said, son, it's really, it's, uh, your dad's very lucky to be across this fire from you. Johnny grew silent. I knew he was in the service, but he never really brought it up. He never, he just didn't talk about it. And it wasn't a conversation around the dinner table or growing up. Johnny's father paused, unsure of what to say or how. He told me about going off to World War II and being in the Battle of the Bulge, and I just, it just got to me, I'll never forget. He just said, your dad fared much luckier than a lot of the young people that were beside me, son. Johnny's father looked into the flames, and though he didn't say anything else, Johnny could see everything in his father's face at that moment. The fear, the agony, the sacrifice. It was a very emotional experience. An experience that he would never forget. Johnny went on to create one of the largest and most successful outdoor recreation retailers in the world, and to this day, makes a point of hiring veterans, investing in their businesses, and doing anything he can to have service members know they're appreciated for everything they do. I'm Carrie Varro Heikes, and welcome to Army Matters. I'm Sergeant of the Army retired Dan Daly, and welcome back to the Army Matters podcast. You might recognize me as one of the previous shows, and joining me today is someone new. Yep, yeah, here he is for the first time a good friend, a longtime battle buddy, and someone, well, I truly respect. Hey, thanks, Dan. I'm Lieutenant General retired Leslie C. Smith, Army's former Inspector General. Now I'm the Vice President for Leadership and Education at Association of the United States Army. Dan, I'm so glad that we're co-hosting this thing together. If there's anybody else that I could think about doing it with, it would be with you. And we call a lot of people. Most of them were busy, but it's just great that you could come join me. We're going to have fun. Yeah. We've gone through a lot of things. You know, we spent a lot of time in the Pentagon together. And then TRADOC together. Yeah. And when you were fourth ID commander together. So we, this is just bringing it all together. And all that was preparatory, but this right here just now? Yeah. It's like my big brother. Yeah. I just hope my back can hold out that long. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, Dan. <laughs> what do you want to talk about today? Do you like to fish, Dan? I do. I do like to fish. Well, as a kid growing up, you know, yeah. what was your first fishing lesson that you learned? Oh, is to hold on to your fishing pole. <laughs> Okay. You know, we didn't have a lot of money, and uh, my dad reminded us all the time, don't don't let the pole just sit there. Don't walk away. You know, you get distracted as a young kid throwing rocks in the water while your dad's trying to fish. And 
And uh, of course, you know, we uh, listened to when he was looking, but not when he wasn't. So walked away from the pole. Next thing you know, uh, the fish dragged my pole in the water. Oh, boy. Dad was what pretty, happened? I think today that would be considered child abuse. But uh, <laughs> I think I think Dad was a little upset. And no, he didn't uh, He didn't get too crazy about it. But uh, that never happened again. <laughs> that never happened again. How about you? What's your fishing story? I'm from Atlanta, so I'm a, I'm a city kid. So we used to go to camp every summer. And the place called Camp Villa Marie we went to. So being a city kid, even though I grew up in Mississippi in the summer, we went fishing. So we had a fishing tournament. So... I caught this rainbow trout. It had to be about 12 or 15 inches. It felt like, you know, 30 inches when I was catching it. And so I ended up getting an award at the end. I was like, hey, where's my rainbow trout? The camp leader said, oh, yeah, we ate that. Well, what about me? <laughs> but they ate your fish? They ate my fish. <laughs> Come they, on. They ate my fish. Did you get an award for, like, the biggest fish or anything? I did. Biggest fish of summer camp. I think I got lucky that day. Now, I just got a checklist. This isn't one of those fish stories that grew no. over time. It's, uh, you know, no. we started here. and No, 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 no. Okay. No. Yeah. I, and I continued fishing throughout my career as much as I could. Obviously, we get very busy in the military, but that breakaway, that time to go out on a fishing boat, I turned into yeah. my own individual shrimp boat captain when I was at Fort Stewart, Georgia. Went out shrimping oh, really? all the time. Oh, yeah. Okay. You were shrimping at Forrest Stewart? Yeah, it took okay. a little while. Uh, you know, it's almost exactly like the Forrest Gump movie. I, I could not catch a single shrimp. You know, I was just out there. And <laughs> okay. uh, finally, I, I, I linked up with one of the local guys, and he, he taught me how to do it. And next thing you know, um, it was literally like the movie. We were eating shrimp for breakfast, shrimp for lunch, shrimp for <laughs> dinner. Yeah. And so for, for our listeners, the, the Division Readiness Brigade was the elements that were ready for the support of the Army and the nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you've probably heard some of the podcasts that we had so far about the uh, 82nd Airborne Division when they they rescued those folks coming out of Afghanistan. That's what what Dan is talking about. Yeah. So he was preparing for that. Then he became a shrimp boat captain. On the weekend, just a weekend guy. On the weekend. Just yeah, the weekend I, no, guy. no. I, well, I knew you couldn't do it during the weekday. Yeah. You had to do <laughs> so many other things. So let's, let's get into it. Yeah, let's jump into it. You know, the reason we're talking about this, of course, is because today's guest knows a little bit about fishing. Yeah. What do you think? Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about Johnny Morris, the founder of Bass Pro Shops. I tell you, he's a hero uh, in my viewpoints. I told him when I saw him uh, face-to-face, I have spent a lot of money at Bass Pro Shop. As you know, I was a commanding general of Fort Leonard Wood. Yeah. And so Bass Pro Shop was about an hour away down in Springfield. Great place, great location. I still love going to Bass Pro Shops today. Oh, if, if, if there's a candy store for fishermen. It's Bass Pro. Yeah. I mean, you can't walk in there and not walk out with at least uh, yeah. a high interest rate credit card payment for the rest of uh, the year, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And I know a lot of our listeners are, are familiar with that that chain, but they have hunting, fishing, camping with 177 locations and revenues of billions of dollars. But when he was telling us this story, it all started from an eight square foot space in the back of Johnny's dad's liquor store. Think about that. That's incredible. Johnny's liquor store when he sold fishing tackle. I mean, so, you know, he's a CEO of a company, all 50 states, many other places. And he's just this average, calm guy that's like your big brother. Yeah. And so he, sh- he shakes my hand. I shake his hand and say, hey, Mr. Morris, uh, nice to meet you. He says, please call me Johnny. Just reminds me of the time that I was stationed at Fort Leonard, Missouri, uh, in middle America. Great values, great customs, great traditions, and very unassuming. 
And the reason why we're talking with Johnny Morris today is because he was last year's recipient of the AUSA's National Service Award. And it's an award that's awarded annually to an organization in recognition of exemplary service and demonstrated enduring support to the American soldier and the United States Army community. I tell you what, I was so glad I had a chance to sit down with them. But I think we need to, to just go ahead and hit an interview. What do you think about that? You know, I, I'm jealous that you got a chance to sit down with him. I think we should maybe, uh, can we call him up and have me redo the podcast? Do you think no, that would be brother. possible? Or do we have no, to just not, keep going with what we got? Not, not feasible. We, there will be other times. That's our major. Always a bridesmaid, never the bride. Uh, that's not true. You, you know you're the man. <laughs> I, I just want to grow and be like you. Before we start, should we call you Mr. Morris or Johnny or? Johnny. Johnny, yeah. Mr. is like for an old guy. Okay, Johnny, that's fair. We really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us, especially since you just pointed out before we started recording that this is your first podcast. And again, congratulations on receiving the AUSA's National Service Award. It was great being with you and the other soldiers up there. Me and my family, never forget it. And uh, so thank you very much. Now, Johnny, you've been referred to as the Walt Disney of the outdoors by some. I've been to Missouri, and I love it. And I know it's beautiful there. But when did you fall in love with it? It's our mountains, the streams, the rivers, the lakes. This region is referred to as the float fishing capital of the world. And that's not like big rapids. It's more meandering streams and rivers. That's how I grew to love fishing, was just on our beautiful streams. We'd fish with fly rods with little popping bugs a lot. And then uh, we'd catch a lot of perch, smallmouth, and then largemouth now and then. When I was 10, uh, the Corps of Engineers, they built this reservoir on the White River. It's called Table Rock Lake. Well, I went to the open house, the Table Rock Dam, with my grandpa when I was 10. And... I remember my grandpa, he was cussing because he wasn't very happy because the new lake flooded a lot of his favorite fishing holes on the river. But what none of us realized maybe at the time, and it was a lifelong lesson to me in conservation about habitat. So when this reservoir was built, it flooded a lot of vegetation. It created fabulous habitat for bait fish and for the bass. So the fish that were in the river and a few that got stocked, just they exploded because of all the abundance of a cover forage fish, and it became a great fishing lake. And then you started taking part in fishing tournaments, right? How did that lead to you starting Bass Pro Shops? I'm like 21, so I signed up for this fishing tournament. It was called uh, the All-American. I was fishing a lot then. I was supposed to be going to school. I was fishing a lot. So my dad and I had this old Richland aluminum boat, and I took it down there, and I was like marvel, like seeing all the advancements in technology and gear, and I saw the evolution of like the modern day bass boat, built for bass fishing with aerated live wells, with uh, swivel seats, electric foot control trolling motors. You keep both your hands free to cast. Uh, it was just, it was really something, and I met fishermen, as I mentioned, from all over the country, and many of them were like pioneers or entrepreneurs or upstart guys that were and gals that were making lures in their garage and then end up pioneering next generation of boats. I met a fella, Carl Lawrence, that invented really the first fish finder. He called 
the fish locator. And I fished that tournament and I came across all these lures these anglers were using and I made a list and I took it back home where I used to shop in a sporting goods, or well, it was a discount store and they had a good sporting goods department. So I kept taking this list in to the sporting goods manager, asking him, hey, can we get this? Can we get that? And after a few weeks, he said, Johnny, I'm sorry, but I can't get permission uh, from the home office to buy, to carry these things. So that's when I approached my dad about, hey, dad, we need to, he had a liquor store on the way to the lake and said, I said, man, we, we need to get some of these lures. And that's what I want to do is start selling these specialized bass lures and equipment out of the store. So he said, I tried that before. Didn't work out too good. Very competitive. But my dad was, he was my closest, best buddy and supporter, mentor. It was very, very close to my dad. So he co-signed my note at a local bank. And I drove down. We we filled that U-Haul trailer full of plugs. I got a 79-cent padlock, uh, left it at the motel, went out to honky-tonk a little bit. We came back. The trailer was there. That would have been the end of Bass Pro. But we called the shop Bass Pro Shops because it was real descriptive of our mission. We wanted to be a specialist shop just for our fellow bass anglers. And timing is so important in any endeavor. And there was a huge pent-up demand. And the fishing was exploding because of habitat. These All these TVA and Corps of Engineers reservoirs around the country, that they were chuck full of fish. And these new techniques that were emerging and new equipment were helping anglers be much more successful. And so these tournaments were just creating this popularity of bass fishing. And so every nickel we could get for inventory, we just put it into more bass gear. We didn't have camping. We didn't have hunting. It was just whoa, whoa, Johnny. a bait shop. You're jumping ahead. You started the store in the back of your father's liquor store? Yeah. What was the name of it? His name was, of his store was Brown Derby Discount Liquor. So anyway, when we opened Bass Pro, I got a picture of this, but to make him happy, we had to call it Brown Derby Bass Pro. So I had this little goofy Brown Derby on top of the fish that was leaping. That was our first logo. It's just a, a circle, but it had that fish of the goofy hat on it. But what made the company really grow was the catalog, right? Can you tell us more about it? There was a, so many anglers like myself that wanted this gear. And this gentleman, Ray Scott, he just passed away. God bless him. He was fabulous guy. He was a great promoter of our sport, but he was developing these heroes and he had this magazine called Bassmaster. So anglers would get this and they would read about a guy that gal just won a tournament and anglers want to get this gear. It was hard like it was for me to find it. So our catalog really filled a void there and making these products available. At the time, and I think our first printing was 10,000 catalogs. It was a lot at the time, but yet, as far as the cost per page, it wasn't that much. So I remember going to a trade show and I could sell ads to our vendors for so much a page and the rate wasn't that great, but it helped us kind of justify investing in the catalog. And so we printed it. We didn't have any plan how we're going to ship this stuff. We just sent the catalog out. We started getting orders, and then it's kind of a miracle. Johnny, you know, the Bass Pro Shops we know today is a retail giant for not only fishing, but everything else having to do with the outdoors. 
And we know there are stores everywhere. When did you start to grow your physical store's presence? So the first uh, 13 years we were in business, the only shop we had was in my dad's liquor store. And then it's ironic, but that same old Gibson discount store where I used to be a customer, it came up for sale. And it was like 80,000 feet. And we didn't know how we were ever going to fill it up. So then we moved our warehouse in there, our office. And at that time or shortly after, since we had more space, we spent a couple of years planning for that store. And uh, we decided to call it Bass Pro, but also Outdoor World because we wanted to delve into camping gear, hunting gear, everything for the outdoors. And so it was about 15 years after we started before we carried any merchandise other than fishing gear. I always had a lot of family involvement. So my sister Susie came in one day and we had these little metal plates. It was called a dressograph machine. And like for all of our customers were on these little plates and they were just falling out of boxes or all over the floor. She goes, this is crazy. You're gonna have to get your inventory on a computer, your customer mailing list on a computer if you wanna be serious about this. And so I said, well, fine, why don't you head that up for us? And she came to work to do that. We took a field trip to L.L. Bean in Freeport, Maine. And I went there and I just, I was amazed because that store was a landmark. It was like a daydream destination for all the L.L. Bean catalog customers. It was a big, big store. And it got me fired up if they were attracting all those people to come to a relatively small town, Freeport, Maine, if we had a great store, why couldn't we get a lot of our customers from the catalog to come to Springfield, Missouri to a store? I think our catalog business was had been good. We had a good balance sheet or like, I didn't have to go to a banker and say, get a loan and justify, okay, what's the payback on this aquarium or what's the payback on some of these fun things and so in 1988 after we opened the store for a little while we decided to have this event called the world's fishing fair uh, to showcase our store that we were so proud of and we had these pro fishermen come uh, all the bassmaster classic champions together at one time and a lot of our vendors we had a lot of displays a lot of bargains and man, that really put our shop on the map. And it was a test for all of our people. We opened up the doors in three days. We had 250,000 people that came to Springfield, Missouri. None of our people slept literally for like three, four days. They were just stocking the shelves. Places have a culture that, and how's it happened? Sometimes it's just for going through adversity or challenges together or where it builds teamwork and that event it's legendary in a company today because how much people worked and helped each other to help our customers. I, I love this, Johnny. Your stores are a complete experience, not just a place to buy fishing gear. Man, we have to take a quick break here, but we'll be right back with more from Johnny. Join AUSA, the Army's premier professional association and host of the largest land power exposition in the United States. AUSA is open to everyone, including all ranks and components. So whether you have a relationship with the U.S. Army or simply want to honor those who serve, you can learn more at ausa.org join. 
We're back with Johnny Morris, the founder and CEO of Bass Pro Shops. Now, at the beginning of the episode, we heard that moment where your father shared his experience with the Battle of the Bulge. How did those experiences help you in determining how you were going to assist our servicemen and women? Well, I don't know if there was a glaring uh, time that stands out other than just the spirit of all of us, like uh, things we could do locally. And then when we uh, partnered with Cabela's, they had a good uh, program for veterans, like for discounts on merchandise. And so we had something very similar and we just doubled down on that effort. And then, oh gosh, I'm trying to think, Fort Leonard Woods close by and having hosting soldiers for different events and fun activities. Johnny, describe what you started doing for our soldiers who were in basic combat training who couldn't make it home. So for as long as I can remember, for veterans, especially wounded veterans, we'd have these fishing days down on Table Rock Lake. Take them out fishing. Not just huge, big things, but I don't know, it's probably 50, 80 soldiers at a time. And always so many volunteers for, from fishing guides that just want to take them in the boat, show them a good fun time, and that since branched out to stores all across the country. I was up at the new Army Museum up there. It's so awesome. And one of the things that stood out to me is a reminder how the Army helped develop our national parks. We have a little museum about Bass Pro in this store. And to me, it's much of the, our first store, the first cabinets, the first shelves, the front doors, in fact, are there. And right down from that, it's a little salute to our veterans and our military. It's uh, something we're proud of. One of the things, Johnny, that you've done is provide homes for our wounded veterans. And I believe that was inspired by our Lee Greenwood song. Is that right? Can you tell me more about that, Johnny? So I have a friend for many years, Richard Childress, and he has a big conservation event every year just out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and welcome. And so a few years ago, I'm there, and Lee Greenwood was there, and he is ambassador for Helping a Hero, and they dedicated a home that night for a wounded soldier, and it just got to me, and so that night we made a pledge, and I just love hearing Lee Greenwood sing that song, you know, uh, about our country, and God bless the USA, and like, and to me, it's like, helping a hero, when you hear him saying that song and what it symbolizes for our country, the tribute it pays to our veterans. So we committed to donate 10 homes, I think about a year ago. And then, so we said as a catalyst to get others to chip in that we would pay 25% of the next 100 homes. We've given an opportunity to some of our vendors and other partners in our companies to chip in on that. We just had a little celebration last week, in fact, down at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville. And there was another, I think, uh, six of our partners that stepped up and say, hey, Johnny, we'll pay the other 75% for these homes to present that night. And I think our customers are very patriotic. And one of the things that we've done for quite some time is every time there's 
Veterans Day, Memorial Day, some like we really take pride in theming our stores and saluting these veterans. I mean, you, there's flags, and this is something we do, U.S. and Canada. If we have a race car, man, it's red, white, and blue. It's got a salute, you know, to just say, man, we're proud of America. We're proud of all of our all of our soldiers and people that are standing up for us. So it's hard to say just one or two things, but like more than money sometimes, I think it's helping other people say, yes, thank you very much. One final question for you, Johnny. We're so happy that you were able to attend our annual meeting two months ago and visit the Army Museum. More importantly, you received the AUSA's Distinguished National Service Award. So, Johnny, what does that award mean to you? Uh, I humbly accepted that award from people in our company and most of all from my dad and other veterans in our company. Uh, it was very special. I uh, And to be in that room with all those soldiers, and I had my family there, and uh, even some of our grandkids there, uh, is very humbling. And I just say to everybody, if you get a chance to go see this new museum, it will get to you. But there was one exhibit, and it was like sensory. I don't know the exact but it was high tech. It's like a theater. You go in and sit down, your seat vibrates and you can feel like the gun. And so I'm watching this movie and then there's a little section about the battle of the bulge. And man, I got to tell you, just, it hit home to me, like what my dad tried to describe to me. I think I just, to me, that was a highlight too of this trip as well. Those are the real, the people that served us, you know, and do to this day and every day. And just the price of freedom. Uh, the people, the artists, the engineers, the talented folks that created that, it was very moving. And hats off to them. And I just, it was a very emotional, wonderful experience. Again, like I wish everybody in the country could set, could have seen what I saw and got to experience with my family. It was, it was a beautiful and hats off to everybody involved and that whole effort up there, the celebration, but creating that new facility, it's, it's world-class. Every step of that, you appreciate, you just appreciate so deep that it's easy to say freedom isn't free, but that's a reminder, a heavy price paid. Johnny, thank you so much for sharing with us. I say that as a, a veteran, but also a citizen of our country. This has been a blast, a real pleasure to spend some time with you. Of course, next time I'd love for it to be in a boat in the middle of a river or lake instead of a recording studio. But thank you for your time and for everything you've done for the military and our families. Well, okay, I look forward to our next visit and I really appreciate y'all very much. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Army Matters is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission, educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and supporters of a strong national defense. 
Today's episode was hosted by Lieutenant General Retired Les Smith and SMA Retired Dan Daly and anchor hosted by Carrie Barrow Heckes. Anthony Dale Call is the producer and writer and Andy Bosnack is the supervising sound editor. Unzinga Curry is the executive producer and the senior producers are Carrie Barrow Heckes and LaSharon Duncan. Special thanks to Lauren Hall, Tierra Perryman, and Michelle Kapotahe for their help. Be sure to subscribe to Army Matters wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review. As you know, we love seeing stars in the Army, especially if it comes in the form of a five-star review. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. I'm with Sharon Duncan. Hope you have a great Army day. Hooah.